You are listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a show covering the hometown Milwaukee Brewers as we analyze the roster, report on the latest rumors, and discuss their quest to bring the World Series trophy to Milwaukee for the first time. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Go. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, Peter Go. Here again today, excited previewing the position players alongside David. David, how are you doing today? Pretty good. We're a little over one week away from Brewers baseball. It's coming up quickly, uh, 20, what, 27 degrees outside, something like that. So definitely doesn't quite feel like that uh, that spring vibe outside, but I'm more than ready. And it's, it's been nice to have some Brewers baseball on as far as the spring training games and being able to at least see some live baseball. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I, I, somehow I, I get a funny feeling that the Brewers will consider not having a uh, enclosed stadium whenever the time comes to replace American Family Field, but I sure hope they do um, because times like this remind us why we need it, um, and it just comes in so handy. But I don't know. I feel like at some point when that time comes, people are going to push back for whatever reason, even though it's made a ton of sense, and uh, we laugh at the Twins and the Cubs every year uh, while we get to play some extra games. So nonetheless... I'm excited to cover, again, position players. I talked about it last week. Keston Hira, a guy that we'll cover today, uh, amongst some other um, new faces as well, Hunter Renfro, Andrew McCutcheon, and others. Um, before we get into that, let's jump into today's trivia question. We've got an interesting one today on former Brewers pitcher, now uh, Royals, uh, back to the Royals, I should say, Zach Grinke. Um, and David, you were actually mentioning before we even started recording the podcast, of course, Zach Grinke back with the Royals, Lorenzo Kane with the Brewers, Jeremy Jeffress still in baseball. Alcides Escobar, what was it you said 12 years ago that that trade went down between mm-hmm. the Brewers and the Royals? Yeah, yeah so 12 years. 12 years. And I, I think everyone is still in the game except for UniB. Yes, and uh, I, I guess that's unfortunate. Always a uh, fun player to watch, especially if you were playing against him. Uh, man, the shortstop <laughs> position rather poorly, um, but was a fun player to watch. And uh, was, I mean, he was still a, a piece of that 2011 Brewers team that, that made a pretty deep uh, run with, of course, Zach Rinke as well. So today's trivia question, Zach Rinke is a minority owner in a franchise of which fast food restaurant? I'll give you four options today. In-N-Out Burger, Dunkin' Donuts, Chipotle, or Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream? So we've got four options. Uh, a bit of an obscure question today, but you'll learn a fun fact about Zach Rinke. Again, he is a minority owner in one of the following. In-N-Out, Dunkin' Donuts, Chipotle, or Ben & Jerry's. As always, that answer will be at the end of the podcast. So let's just jump into it, David, previewing the position players. Let's start behind the dish. Omar Narvaez, of course, coming off a great year. Um, He will be the starting catcher um, in 2022. But how about the backup? Uh, New catcher, of course, Manny Pena moving on from the Brewers in the offseason. So how about Severino? What do you expect from him um, as he fills in as that backup catcher? Yeah, the Brewers signed Pedro Severino to be Narvaez's backup. I think will be maybe even a a little bit more of a lopsided platoon split as far as who plays when. Pena definitely the superior option to Pedro Severino who they brought in but the Brewers were unwilling to give Pena the two years eight million that he did get from the Braves. I think from Severino we can expect someone who is going to hit left-handed pitching pretty well for being a catcher Uh, but definitely the defense is where he needs to make some improvements. He actually has looked pretty good in spring training so far but the numbers that we saw out of him last year defensively were a little bit lacking. So that's going to be the big question mark. 
we do expect to see him playing primarily against left-handed pitchers. So maybe the bat is a little bit less of a concern for Severino. Yeah, and should fill in pretty well uh, behind the dish. I, I think we can expect Narvaez to have probably a, a similar, perhaps, year um, than he did in 2021. Hopefully a little bit more consistent year. Of course, we saw an exceptional first half from him. Faded a little bit in the second half. So hopefully we see just a, a more consistent year from him. Uh, but like you said, we'll probably see some platoon. And nowadays, it's it's pretty rare to get that starting catcher who catches almost every game as well. So um, Narvaez and Severino, um, the two catchers behind the dish, who will enter into the season there. Um, and then Rowdy Telez returning um, for his second year with the Brewers, of course, being acquired mid-season from the Blue Jays was a nice surprise. And I think uh, I think he did come under the radar a little bit. Didn't have huge expectations from him. Um, kind of just expected a little decent pop uh, over at first base. And he certainly provided that, but even more than that. Um, and if we, when we look at his numbers last year, um, I think the underlying numbers show he could actually be due for a better year last year. Uh, was a, an above average hitter offensively. Um, 814 OPS plus last year, or excuse me, OPS last year. Um, like I said, good power on base skills. But even looking at his um, ex-WOBA, uh, ex um, expected weighted on base um, versus what his actual on base was last year. Basically, his under, underlying numbers showed that he was due for um, better offensive output than he actually had. Also top 5% in the league in max exit velocity. So certainly a good bat to have in the lineup. And we'll see what we get from Rowdy Tellez. But I think it's pretty, pretty likely we see at least a similar year from him last year, which is an above average offensive hitter. Um, okay defense over at first base and should be able to hit right-handers pretty well. Anything else that you would add on what the Brewers and Brewers fans can expect from Rowdy this year? Yeah, one of the big boosts that we may have seen Rowdy have when he came over also was the ballpark. Played in a nice ballpark in uh, in Milwaukee as far as left-handed pitchers, or excuse me, left-handed hitters go. Typically that left-handed power bat fits nicely in at American Family Field. If you look at that cast numbers. He actually, if all of his home games were played at Miller Park, or rather all of his games, I guess, all, all of his games, he would have hit 18 home runs last year. He hit only 13. So that's a pretty sizable difference. We saw kind of that same trend over the couple previous years. So seeing a full season out of Rowdy playing his home games at American Family Field could be a difference as well as far as the power output goes for, uh, for Rowdy. Yeah. Certainly, of course, lefties uh, enjoy hitting at American Family Field with that short porch in right field. So I, I am more optimistic on, on the Brewers' uh, first base, uh, I guess, outlook offensively because um, I think he did have a bit of an under-the-radar partial season with the Brewers, and I do expect him to be pretty solid over there at first base. Uh, of course, we more or less know what we're going to get with Fulton Wong. Hopefully he's a guy with, of course, excellent defender, perhaps the best defensive second baseman in all of baseball at the moment. Good on-base guy and can hopefully set the table for some of the bigger bats. Um, similarly, Luis Urias coming off a breakout year for him. Um, certainly not expecting him to have quite the same year that he had last year, but if he can man third base for the Brewers, be an everyday starter, a little bit above average, offensively solid defender, that'll go a long way in continuing to provide depth for the Brewers starting lineup. And then Willie Adames, of course, we talked about him so much last year, coming over in that trade midseason from the Tampa Bay Rays um, was – really the MVP of the Brewers offense, no question about it, um, provided for uh, some lack of production in Christian Yelich and some other players, and certainly stepped up as a leader for the Brewers. 
it was interesting to look at at his career stats, uh, spending all of his time uh, with Tampa. Had some pretty decent years before the trade. Seems like Tampa may have jumped ship on him a little bit early. The Brewers really pulled off a great trade in acquiring him last year, of course. Uh, Adames hitting 285 with a 366 on base and a 521 slugging. Prior to the trade with the Rays, he was hitting 197 with a 254 on base and 371 slugging, which I think we were all aware of when the trade happened and, and we knew that there was some potential upside. But I didn't realize that he had put up some decent years as well. 2020 um, had a 126 OPS plus, um, had a 481 slugging that year as well. 2019, not quite as good of a year, uh, but just slightly below average as an offensive player. So I, I think he's, he's shown that he can play, uh, he can hit at the major league level. Um, even baseball reference has him this year with a slash line of 257, 329, and 451 slugging. So it is likely we may see some regression from him. He's probably not going to have an 886 OPS like he did with the Brewers last year. But I think we'd be pretty confident that he's a guy that can be a middle-of-the-order um, hitter. And again, he's playing shortstop in any position that generally is less of an offensive-focused position um, and certainly will be very valuable for the Brewers next year. Yeah, I think the kind of maybe the the more reasonable expectation is that his his output will be kind of similar to what it was overall last year. I think seeing a, a little bit of a regression from his time, if we look at just the time that he had with the Brewers, maybe something that would be uh, probably a little bit more reasonable. But I think we we look at the circumstances behind why he wasn't having success in Tampa Bay. Talked about how he couldn't really see the ball very well coming out of the pitcher's hand. And the strikeout rate was really high. His walk rate was was not very good. Couldn't see the ball well. And as a hitter, I mean, that's gonna that's gonna kind of ruin your season if you aren't able to see the ball very well. So comes over to Milwaukee and really turns it around. Uh, benefited from kind of some a little bit of good luck, I guess I would say. But um, but he's someone that I would I would still expect to be very good. Strikeouts are a little bit high, and that's really the only the only uh, concern I have about his game. But Adamix is someone I'm really excited to see in a Brewers uniform for the whole the whole season for all of 2022. And I mean, he's quickly become a fan favorite. I think he may even be most well liked position player on the team already at this point. Yeah, that's a fair fair statement. And in some ways, almost lives up to the Orlando Arcia hype. I know that obviously no connection between Arcia and Adamix in any way. But thinking about the Brewers' hopes for Orlando Arcia as a top 10 prospect in all of baseball um, at his peak in the minors. Um, kind of the kind of the player that the Brewers hoped for. Maybe a little bit uh, less of an offensive threat and more of a defensive shortstop. I know RC was, of course, known for his defense, but that young electric shortstop um, who's a fun player to watch. And like you said, quickly becoming one of the fan favorites in Milwaukee. Yeah, last thing I just wanted to say on Adamus also is it's not like his success came out of nowhere last year either. He had had a couple pretty good years with Tampa Bay. His rookie year played a, a partial year and was an above-average hitter, uh, was was about average with the glove. 2019, he was above average with the glove. Offense uh, dipped down a little bit, but was still pretty good. And he, he was a pretty highly touted prospect, was the main guy that went back to Tampa Bay in the David Price trade and really maintained that good prospect status and was always expected to be a very good player. So I think seeing him with the Brewers and seeing the success that he had, it wasn't like such a breakout that came out of nowhere, but it was more so of uh, finally he's living up to the potential that we all kind of
kind of knew and thought that he had in him all along. I agree. And I think a lot of the media around his success last year painted it a little bit as where did this guy come from? And again, he's playing in Tampa Bay. Uh, wasn't, of course, hitting the same hype that he otherwise would if he's on the Yankees or the Mets or Dodgers. But uh, like you said, he, he didn't certainly come out of nowhere, um, had success for several years. And as, uh, the numbers, as a Brewers fan, I, I feel a lot more confident that he's going to continue to put up good numbers because it's, he has shown that he can do that year after year. And so 2021, just, of course, being that best one. So we'll see if, if the success continues. But I think it's likely that we still see uh, at least an average offensive uh, shortstop and an average offensive, excuse me, defensive shortstop, which again, would be a great trade that the Brewers were able to pull off last year and, and really change the trajectory of their season last year. So outfield, um, a little bit different this year, of course, Avisail Garcia departing in the offseason, the starting outfield likely being Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Kane, and Hunter Renfro. Uh, Renfro will cover in a second, of course, a new face in Milwaukee. But Christian Yelich, what can we say about Yelich um, that hasn't already been said? Of course, two down years from him. Not sure if we can expect an all-star caliber uh, outfielder or if we're just expecting a, an average offensive player. What do you, what do you think going into 2023? Uh, what can Brewer fans expect from Christian Yelich? I still do expect Yelich to be about all-star caliber. I think that, that fans would, would be a little bit disappointed if that happened because we were used to him being among the best hitters in baseball over that two-year run that he had. And, of course, that was really all that Brewers fans had seen on a regular basis at the time. So I think, I think he will be better than he has been the last two years. And there's some underlying numbers, his hard hit rate, his uh, improving strikeout rate over 2021 compared to the prior year. Uh, some, some numbers that seem to indicate that that's the case. And even just being another year removed from that knee injury that he suffered at the end of 2019, he hasn't quite looked the same since then, presumably got – uh, better rest for his back, got a full normal offseason this year compared to maybe still some of the, the rehab that he was doing over the prior offseason. I think we can expect Yelich to be better than he was either of the two prior years. Just maybe we won't see MVP Yelich coming back at any point. Yeah, I think expectations have to be uh, moved down a notch given the track record. And if he is an all-star outfielder, uh, that's still a win for the Brewers. Um, and can hopefully be an anchor in the middle of the lineup. Perhaps uh, I will say I, I'm hoping for a little bit more power from him. Last year we saw um, just a lack of lack of gap to back, gap to gap power as well as the home runs dipped significantly. So I'm hoping for a little bit more pop from him that he can hopefully build up on. And like you said, you never know exactly if he's fully healthy, if that knee is still bothering him or, or the back. Uh, but hopefully a healthy 2022 season for him, um, and we see that power come back from Christian Yelich. And Lorenzo Cain, uh, I think we more or less know what to expect from him. Uh, he's a pretty durable outfielder who's been around the game, like we mentioned, part of that trade um, to uh, the Brewers and the Royals made back in uh, well, almost over a decade ago. Uh, but essentially at this point is a durable outfielder, solid defender, can get the on base. Um, it will be a, a bottom of the lineup guy to, to sort of turn over the lineup to some of the Brewers' bigger hitters. But final year of the contract with the Brewers, I think it's probably likely that we see Lorenzo Cain uh, play his last season, at least with Milwaukee. But I would, if I had to guess, last season in, in baseball, excellent player over his time, uh, several time all-star, and of course, great defender. So I think we more or less know what to expect from him. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy, put up one more good year with the Brewers in his final year of the contract. 
And then finally, Hunter Renfro, like I said, the new face over in right field, replacing Avi Sayel Garcia. What are your expectations from him? I think he he actually is a, a very similar player to Avi Sayel Garcia, especially with the with the offense. Maybe a little bit home, a little bit more home run power, a little bit less gap to gap. But as far as the uh, the offense goes, I think we'll see a pretty similar level of production. He's coming off a year with the Red Sox where he hit 31 home runs in 144 games. Not a super high on base guy, but he's somebody that'll hit home runs and you, he, more of kind of your 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 stereotypical five hitter, um, somebody who will will knock in runs, and that's really what he is paid to do. He's a, an okay defender out in right field, but uh, the bat is his, really his calling card. His expected numbers, kind of like Rowdy, were uh, were a little bit better than what his uh, his actual output was. Um, and, and seeing him in a little bit more of a hitter friendly environment, uh, being in uh, in Milwaukee could could uh, could play to his advantage. Um, so we'll see if Renfro is able to make that good transition into the National League Central. I'm pretty confident that he'll be someone who's at least an average player. He's somebody that that's not going to be the a superstar on the team. I wouldn't expect him to be a Willie Adames type uh, impact player on the Brewers, but I would see him more as somebody that will hold his own weight, somebody that will be a, a, a nice guy, a guy that you put in the lineup, right on the lineup card every day, plays right field, plays a decent right field, and has some pop hits, some home runs. Yeah, I like him slotting into that five hole. Uh, kind of that stereotypical five-hole hitter, like you mentioned. Decent pop, um, not going to blow you away with any of his tools, but I really like the trade um, in the Brewers acquiring him. Fills the hole that obviously RC left very well. And even if Brewers did add Andrew McCutcheon, you know, it's expecting a lot from McCutcheon to be able to play every day in the outfield. I like the Brewers outfield a lot better with McCutcheon looking out as either that fourth outfielder or even a guy who's going to get some at-bats as a DH. I mean, Brewers acquiring him recently. Um, McCutcheon had most of his success last year against left-handed pitching. Really, really killed lefties last year. 293 average, 405 on base, 622 slugging. So over 1,000 OPS, almost looking like his MVP uh, twenty, you know, early 2010s uh, numbers against lefties still last year. Righties, a little bit different, a lot less success against them, batting just 186 with a 298 on base and a 352 slugging. So it's, it's pretty clear that he, he's a guy that's going to hit lefties exceptionally well. Uh, righties will struggle a little bit more. But I think that's okay with the Brewers, the way the, the lineup's constructed. Again, we've got the option at DH. So if we've got a left-handed starter, we want McCutcheon in the lineup. No question about that. He's also a very valuable bat to have off the bench. You think about late game. Uh, and Craig Council is a strategy that he likes to utilize. When we've got a, a relief pitcher coming to the game, other teams got to remember that if Andrew McCutcheon's on the bench, you don't want to bring in a lefty to face um, potentially Andrew McCutcheon. So I think he's a, a valuable tool to have. I think it's actually in some ways bodes well. The fact that he hits lefties so well and righties not as much uh, rather than just being okay at both. So it creates some interesting matchups and I'm excited to see what he'll be able to do. I mean, he's had a little bit of a, a slow decline here uh, since, like I said, those all-star years from 2011 to 2015, but still going to get a lot of production out of a veteran player and a good veteran uh, player to have in the clubhouse as well in Andrew McCutcheon. So outfield, again, looking like Yelich, Kane, Renfro, Andrew McCutcheon, who will be in that DH and outfield role. And then final outfielder being Tyrone Taylor, who's been in the organization since 2012. Brewers drafting him in the second round. Um, and really 2021 being his breakout year. 
uh, finally getting some plate appearances, uh, 271 last year, and put up pretty good numbers. And some of those coming off the bench as a Brewers pinch hitter. But over the course of last year, batted 247 with a 321 on base and 457 slugging, um, good for a uh, 778 OPS. Uh, so a solid bat uh, from somebody that didn't necessarily have the expectations. I think a lot of Brewers fans had more or less written Tyrone Taylor off, maybe in a similar fashion to Devin Williams. Now, of course, Taylor not bursting out of the seams like Williams did, but I think we had kind of written him off. Maybe we were going to be lucky if he would make it to the majors or, or get just a little bit of time in the outfield. But at this point, he looks like a very, very solid fourth outfielder, uh, maybe even um, a starting outfielder on a bad team, but uh, somebody that can provide value for the Brewers. Again, like I said, with McCutcheon DHing, Taylor's got the option to do the same and gives the Brewers defensive flexibility late in the games if they'd like as well. Yeah, Taylor's had a really good spring also. He's looked really good with the bat. Co-hitting coach Connor Dawson even said that Tyrone Taylor has impressed him probably more than anyone else on the on the offensive side of things with the Brewers. So having praise like that come out of one of the new hitting coaches, definitely a good thing for Taylor, but also could be an indication of, of the value and the kind of player that Taylor would hold as somebody who gets everyday plate appearances. Unfortunately, the Brewers don't really have room for him in that capacity right now, but I kind of wonder what the Brewers will decide to do with him. I think that they could get actually a, a pretty good amount in a, back in a trade for Taylor but do you trade from your depth right now uh, with somebody who um, in center field who could get hurt uh, and Lorenzo Cain, who could be gone after this year? Uh, it's an interesting dilemma that the Brewers have about whether or not to keep Taylor. Uh, he will be in the majors either way, and he'll be someone that, that will have an impact on the roster this year. And he's someone that I'm excited to watch, probably more than almost any of the other hitters. I'm excited to see what Tyrone Taylor can do. Uh, and, and really finally establishing himself as a big leaguer last year out of minor league options. So he'll be on the roster and he's someone that, that will be a fun guy to watch. Yeah, I certainly hope he does stay with the Brewers. I understand that he could add some value if they did make a trade with him. But like you mentioned, Lorenzo Cain uh, in his final contract year, I don't see him returning again the year following. And that could be exactly the opportunity that, that Tyrone Taylor would need um, to get into that outfield and really get some regular playing time as a starter. And who knows, maybe he could fill that, that slot uh, in center or one of the corner outfielders for several years. Of course, he's still uh, early in his career. Again, been a long time in the, in the uh, organization, drafted um, in 2012 by the Brewers. But a high school draft pick, he's 28. He's still got several years uh, where he could be really just entering his prime and could be part of a, a, a next era of the Brewers after Lorenzo Kane moves on. A couple other guys alongside Taylor and uh, Pedro Severino, who we had talked about earlier, who for sure will be on the bench at the big league level, Mike Brasso and Jace Peterson. We saw a lot of Jace Peterson the last couple of years. A nice, nice bench guy, takes a lot of walks, very versatile. Brasso, though, they acquired from the Rays this past offseason, so uh, Brewer fans have not been able to see Brasso up close. Uh, but he's a utility infield. There's someone who's played a little bit of corner outfield also, but primarily first, second, and third could play short in a pinch. And kind of similar to McCutcheon, he, uh, he rakes against left-handed pitchers. Over his career, he has just a 619 OPS against righties, but uh, go against lefties, he is a 515 slugging, 336 on base percentage. And that's really where he's found his 
niche as a big league player, was a non-drafted free agent out of Oakland University in Michigan, and is probably best known for hitting uh, that big walk-off home run against Aroldis Chapman in the ALDS back in 2020, uh, a left-handed pitcher. Uh, and they brought Brasso in for the situation to, to face Chapman, the lefty. The Brewers probably will utilize him in a similar way. Peterson and Brasso probably platooning at third base if, if Urias does miss a little bit of time on the injured list with his uh, relatively minor quad strain, but could sideline him into the start of the season. And then we got a guy who we've, we've seen him before um, and we were well acquainted with him. Keston Hira, he, he might make the opening day roster. We're not sure if he will for sure or not. It's kind of up in the air right now with the season that he had last year. But he's come back this spring looking better than ever. Um, the best shape of his life, I guess. They kind of always say was spring training. Um, I would say watching him, his swing looks like it's in the best shape of its life. His swing looks toned down. It looks more simple. Uh, it, looks, it looks a lot smoother and better. Um, Keston Hira is somebody that, we didn't really see a lot of success from him in 2021 uh, or really even in 2020. Um, but what are your expectations for Keston here, Peter? Yeah, like you said, two down years from him after, of course, his breakout rookie year in 2019. I think we likely see uh, an in-between between those two low, low seasons that he had in 20 and 21 uh, and the high, of course, in 2019. I, ho I certainly hope the Brewers can depend on him at least to perhaps platoon um, as a either first baseman and, of course, DH now uh, being a position that he could fill if his bat does recover from the two seasons that he's had. Um, but again, as we all know, the, opp the opportunities there, the potentials there for Hira, um, first round draft pick because of his bat. And I think it's just trying to figure some things out. I, I even think back to Corbin Burns and the tough season that he had uh, back in back in 2019, here having back-to-back -back rough seasons. But he's had success in the major leagues. Uh, we know the tools are there. Uh, perhaps it, you know, how much of it is even mental versus uh, the swing. I, there's, I think, probably some of each. But the potential's there. I think if he can perhaps have a stepping stone type of year where he just gets a little bit more consistent, can play um, in either that space spot, um, and plus that, that we know he can be. Yeah, DH and first base, hopefully the only two spots we see him in, maybe second base in a pinch. Uh, don't really want to see him in the outfield. Like, uh, he, he's played there a little bit this spring, um, but I, I can't say that, um, that that's something that I'd like to see in a regular season game. I was doing some kind of some digging in on Keston, and the big difference uh, as far as his numbers in, in 21 versus 19 was just really not hitting the fastballs in the zone. A little bit of the breaking balls, but it was primarily the fastballs that were giving him fits. Uh, and I'm not I'm not an expert hitting coach, so I don't know exactly why that is. I'm sure the Brewers and his personal hitting coach were able to identify that also. Uh, but because he was starting to have issues with it, pitchers kept um, kept throwing fastballs in the zone, and he wasn't making contact on them. He made contact on 76% of of pitches in the zone back in his rookie year in 19, only 61% last year. And that really explained away almost all of his swing and miss issues, which were uh, the primary things that he that he had issues with. Uh, but he's been hitting the, the ball really hard this spring. His swing looks better. It looks more like a, a solid line drive swing, which when he's, when he's having a more success 
at the plate. That's kind of more how his swing looks more than that loopy, um, the, the backwards lumberjack kind of that he had last year where his swing was extremely launch angle, high launch angle heavy. And so I think Keston getting back to maybe more of the hitter that he was towards the end of college coming up through the minors when he was one of the best hitting prospects in all of baseball is, uh, is going to be the key to Keston Hira's success in 2022. I think he's a, a big part of the offense. He's somebody that could be the difference between uh, maybe a 90 win team and a 93, 94 win team. That's maybe a world series contender. I agree. I've said this uh, several different times, but I think the Brewers need one more bat in this offense to be a true world series contender. At this point, I think we've probably got an average uh, offense uh, potential for maybe an above average offense, depending on the production we get from Yelich and Adames, Urias, Telez, those types of guys. Uh, but I think Hira is a bit of an X factor because we know the potential is there. And as Brewer fans, we've got to remember, obviously, to stay patient as well. We've seen tough years from Corbin Burns. We've seen guys like uh, Devin Williams take years to develop. So the, we know the talent's there. We know that the opportunity is there. And we could see Hira break out into uh, a, an everyday offensive player. That would be huge uh, for the Brewers, especially the year that they now have the DH. So... Um, certainly he'll be a player that will continue to watch in the spring. Like you said, not sure I want to see him in the outfield. Uh, he better be hitting well if we're going to be sticking Kesson here uh, in, in left field. Um, but a couple of those last other guys that are probably on the outside looking in, uh, two pair of catchers, uh, Brett Sullivan and Marco Feliciano, uh, utility infielder Papa Reyes and Corey Ray, uh, who's now looking at probably the sixth spot in the outfield depth chart. So a couple of, the, couple of those other players that, we likely won't see it to start the year, but as you always know, injuries do happen. I'm sure we'll see some of those players as the season goes on. So, again, Brewers projected starters, Omar Narvaez, Rowdy Telez, Colton Wong, Luis Urias, Willie Adames, and then the outfield, Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, Hunter Renfro, and Andrew McCutcheon likely manning that DH spot. So, David, before we wrap up here today, what are a couple keys to the offense? Like we said, probably at least an average offense at this point, given the depth that they have, but what are some of the keys that you see uh, to success in the Brewers trying to push for World Series contention? And number one, we, we talked about it a little bit before, get Christian Yelich back. Um, and we, we've seen him struggle the last couple of years, but having Yelich return to that, that big threat in the middle of the order, maybe in that, that two spot or the three spot, uh, I guess it doesn't really matter if he's, as long as he's uh, hitting, uh, he's somebody that the Brewers need to get back on track if they want to have the success that we know they can. Uh, we've got him locked up for a long time at a pretty high salary too. So having little production out of that amount of money for the Brewers uh, would would be kind of a detriment to the, the franchise's success. So getting Yelich back on track, I think is, is the number one key for the offense uh, long-term, but specifically for this year in the Brewers title, uh, hopes, hopes of uh, winning a championship for the first time. Number two is one that I think every team kind of has the aspirations of it, uh, but that is staying healthy. The Brewers have, they have a, a good amount of depth as far as guys that could step in and, and play a little bit, but they don't have high level bench guys that um, could easily replace some of the starters. There's definitely going to be a step down if Colton Wong gets out and uh, Jace Peterson has to play every day instead, or uh, if, if Christian Yelich gets hurt again and, uh, we might have to see McCutcheon playing against all the, the right-handed pitchers as well. We'd see a step down from that. I think seeing the offense stay healthy is an area that, that the Brewers definitely 
uh, need to have in large part if they want to have the success that we know they can. And then lastly, everyone needs to pull their own weight. The Brewers don't really have a, a star in their offense, at least at this point right now. But the Brewers have a lot of solid pieces that can be pretty good players at the major league level. And we've seen a lot of them have a good amount of success at the major league level. And not doing too much, but just being the player that we know they can be is going to be probably a, a, a very big key to the success of the offense. Seeing Hunter Renfro be the guy that drives and runs in the middle of the order. Seeing Kane kind of turn the order around, maybe bottom of the order. Willie Adames being that spark plug um, in the offense, maybe providing some pop, a little bit of extra base hit power. Rowdy hitting right-handed pitching really well and having a good amount of power. McCutcheon and Mike Brasso hitting lefties really well. They don't need they don't need all their guys to be stars, but they need the guys to do uh, kind of do what they need to do in their roles and perform them well. And I think that's going to be the biggest key to the Brewers' offensive success in 2022. Yeah, and you got to remember too that the Brewers have the best pitching in all of baseball. So if you compare the best in the game uh, on the rubber with an offense that's above average, that's that's probably a World Series contending team. So I think, like you said, everybody not trying to do them too much. If I had to pick one of those three keys, that's the biggest one is everybody uh, just doing what's asked, um, whatever whatever is needed. And as Craig Council moves those guys around, we'll see if the Brewers offense um, can be uh, enough for the Brewers to uh, win another NL Central title and hopefully push deep into the playoffs. So as we wrap up here today, David, who is today's random player of the day? Today's random player of the day is the highest drafted player in Brewers franchise history, B.J. Surhoff, the number one overall pick back in 1985, had a 19-year big league career. Nine of those came in Milwaukee. Hit 274, 323 on base percentage. More of a contact guy at the plate and had some defensive versatility. He was primarily a catcher, but also played a little bit in the outfield. Played a little bit of third base, first base. Even played at short a couple times with the Brewers. Uh, he was a, a very solid player. And he actually really had his best years after Milwaukee. Uh, after leaving the Brewers, he went to Baltimore, and then the power came around when he was with the Orioles, and that's where he found the most success in his career. Uh, and he didn't retire until age 40 in 2005. Uh, he actually is the uncle of Colin Moran, former Pirates infielder, now with the Reds. Uh, that is B.J. Serhoff's nephew. Uh, so a little bit of a, a baseball connection there as far as the uh, the family goes with B.J. Serhoff. Former Brewer B.J. Serhoff, uh, number one overall pick. That's funny you mentioned the the family tree. Uh, B.J. Serhoff's dad, Dick Serhoff, uh, playing two seasons in the NBA, one of which was for the Milwaukee Hawks uh, back hmm. in, I believe it was the 50s, um, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it looks like uh, early 50s. Do you uh, remember two, watching two seasons? Play? I don't. I don't. I don't think he was on TNT that day. Um, there was no national TV. Um, so, so yeah, an interesting uh, connection there. Uh, BJ Serhoff's brother as well, I believe, played in the in the game as well. Rick Serhoff, um, at least played or appeared in in Major League Baseball. So, I guess professional sports runs in the family for the Serhoff family. Uh, so again, BJ Serhoff, our random player of the day today. So before we wrap up our obscure trivia question today, let's see if we can get David on this. Zach Grinke is a minority owner in a franchise of which fast food restaurant? And again, your four options are In-N-Out Burger, Dunkin' Donuts, Chipotle, and Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream. 
Yeah, I had to do a little bit of process of elimination on this one. Um, Chipotle was the first one I ruled out. I know there was a a big a big uh, kind of some fanfare around it when Chipotle raised the price of guac on the menu. Grinky was not happy about it. Of course, he he admitted that he could afford it easily to add guac to his burritos. Um, but he's like, if I if I just uh, if I just cave in and pay the price for it, then they're just going to keep raising the price on me. So I'm not going to let Chipotle win. Uh, so I I will remove Chipotle from the running for that. Um, Dunkin' Donuts being based out of uh, the Northeast um, and In-N-Out is more of a, a California, Arizona thing. He's from Florida. Um, I'm going to go with Ben and Jerry's. I like the uh, the process of elimination. Unfortunately, you eliminated the correct answer immediately. Was it Chipotle? Uh, Chipotle. It is actually Chipotle. So you are remembering correctly the uh, the 2019 quote here I've got uh, from, from Zach Grinke. He said, I like the guacamole. Now, I don't really love the guacamole, so I get it when I feel like it. They changed their guacamole from $1.50 to $1.80. I mean, $1.50 is already pretty darn high, so they changed it to $1.80, and I'll never again get guacamole. It's not about the guacamole itself. I just don't want them. I just don't want to let them win. So you are correct in uh, in your memory of the Zachary Key 2019 quote about Chipotle guacamole, but ironically, he is a minority owner of one franchise, so I guess uh, I'm not sure if it was... Uh, his uh, lack of uh, caring around his uh, business venture as a minority owner of a Chipotle. But uh, today's, I guess that, that's almost a random random trivia question of the day. Zach Rinke is a minority uh, owner of a Chipotle restaurant. So again, as we wrap up, Brewers offense, high hopes, of course, for the Brewers, uh, in addition to uh, their offense as they enter the 2022 season, uh, hoping for big things from them. Again, a random player of the day today, BJ Serhoff. And David's three keys for the offense, getting Christian Yelich back up to speed, offense staying healthy, and everyone pulling their own weight. We'll be back again next week. David, like you said, opening day coming upon us soon. Um, it's crazy to think that baseball will be back in Milwaukee shortly, um, especially with the 28 degrees that we've got out here today. But we'll be back um, next week for another episode, continuing to preview the Brewers as they run into uh, the 2022 season. And as always, this is Peter and David Go signing off. Go Brewers. Thank you for listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review our show on whichever platform you're listening on. If you enjoyed it, consider supporting us through the link down below. See you next time.